Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear the words of St. Paul the Apostle to the Corinthians in his second letter, chapter 4, where he says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Please be seated. Like the baptism and the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, the transfiguration of our Lord is found in all four gospel accounts. This is not a coincidence. It's for a purpose. God, the Holy Spirit, is teaching us through his word that the transfiguration goes hand in hand with Jesus' baptism and his crucifixion and his resurrection. On that day, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and they went up a high mountain. And it was extraordinary. They saw a majestic vision, St. Peter says in his epistle. And it wasn't because of the mountain scenery. It was because they saw the truth. They saw who Jesus was as fully God and fully man. Fully man in human flesh, fully their savior. It was almost beyond words. Matthew says it this way. Jesus' face was transfigured and it shone like the sun. Luke says Jesus was transfigured, his face changed, and his clothes were flashing. St. John says, we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. And St. Mark puts this transfiguration before us this way. Jesus' clothes appeared intensely white, like no one on earth could bleach them. What does this mean? The transfiguration of our Lord means many things. It means everything for us. Above all, it means our future, our life, what awaits us in the days to come. Jesus was transfigured. And here in him, who's wearing clothes of righteousness, we see that he's not from earth. He's not from flesh and blood. He's different. He's come from heaven above. He was incarnate by the Holy Spirit, and he's come to bring heaven. The way to heaven, he's come to open heaven on earth. Not earth in general, but he's come to bring heaven to mankind, to sinners, He's come to open heaven to flesh and blood. On the Mount of Transfiguration, we also see Moses and Elijah, two great heroes of the Old Testament faith, two who, through their hands and through their words, announced tremendous promises of of God and did mighty deeds. But they stand there on the Mount talking with Jesus, just as they did in the Old Testament. When Moses went up up to the top of Mount Sinai, he spoke with God's Son, 
who gave him the law, he learned from Jesus. And again, Elijah, when he was discouraged and fled to the mountain, awaiting the word of the Lord, and when the Lord came to him on Mount Sinai, in a low whisper, he heard the voice of Jesus. And again, they appear on the Mount of, of, the mount of Transfiguration, listening to Jesus. And here in them, we have a picture of heaven, a picture that awaits us. And Moses and Elijah bear witness that the entire Old Testament, all the things that God said and did, were preparing for and leading to Jesus. And that is why the Father announces, just as he did at the baptism, this is my beloved Son. And here he adds, listen to him. Listen to him because he is your Savior, Peter, James, and John. Listen to him because you are appointed to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Listen to him. He's your leader. And he will bring you and all his people to the promised land as Moses was unable to do. Listen to him. He is the greatest prophet this world has ever heard and seen. He will raise the dead like Elijah, and what's more, he himself will be raised from the dead. Listen to him. In him you have hope. In him is the world's hope. In his epistle to the Corinthians today, Paul speaks about the Israelites the foot of Mount Sinai, who saw Moses coming down to them after speaking to God, and they couldn't bear to look at his face. They were frightened. Paul says it was because their hearts were hardened. Why couldn't they look at Moses' face? It was shining with the light of God. You know, when I want to understand somebody and what they're trying to communicate to me. I've found that it's always the best to talk with somebody face to face. I can see from their facial expression what they mean and what they intend for me to understand. It's not so easy to understand a text message or an email. In fact, I've understood it backwards before. Conversely, when I know that somebody has something to say that is hard for me to hear, something that I'm ashamed of, something that's difficult, to look away. The people of Israel looked away when they heard Moses speak because they couldn't bear the full weight of what he had to say. He came down from the mountain of Sinai bringing the full truth of God's law showing them who God was, what his holiness meant, and who, what he expected of them as his people in their thoughts and words and deeds and worship and prayer and daily vocation. And they looked away. Because to look at that light would mean that they would feel the crushing weight of their sin. But now... Paul says, Christ 
has taken away the veil. But now, Christ says, the veil has been taken away for you. How can this be? What's the difference between the people of Israel, Israel and Moses and this congregation and Jesus? The answer is Jesus. Moses came down from Sinai as a lawgiver, speaking the truths of God according to the law. Jesus appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration as the one who bore the law, who bore the law's condemnation, who bore the guilt of Peter, James, and John, and us. That's why Peter says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Because he knew that this was a moment of grace. He didn't deserve to be in God's presence, in God's glory, but he was. He wanted to hold on to it. They didn't understand what Jesus was doing. That's why Jesus charges them as they're coming down the mountain, tell no one until I've risen from the dead. The transfiguration account occurs in Mark's gospel right in the middle of Jesus' three passion predictions. Three times, Jesus says, Mark 8, 9, and 10, that he will be delivered, betrayed over to sinful men. He'll be treated with contempt. He will be killed. And on the third day, be raised from the dead. Mark says, Jesus said it plainly. And then says, and the disciples didn't understand. They heard all the words Jesus was saying, but they didn't get it. There was a sense where there was a veil still over their face. But when Jesus died, bearing their sin, and rose again and appeared to them, bringing them peace, forgiveness of sins, and life, they got it. They understood that seeing the face of Jesus was seeing the face of God. And they understood that the will of God, as seen in the face and the body and the life of Jesus, was to save the world, to save sinners, to save us. This past week was difficult for me. Everything seemed to go wrong at once. Things were breaking, things that I did not have a clue how to fix. And that's stressful. And it feels like when things are going wrong and when we get over a foot of snow, that the amount of our duties and responsibilities far exceeds our time, strength, and energy. And we fall in weakness. And we know that there are many who have endured sickness during these days and feel like it's so hard to shake the cold and the flu. We know those this week who have gotten bad news and are grieving with difficult words. And in the midst of stress and temptation and hardship and difficult, it's easy to lose heart. It's easy to get weary. And it's easier to call upon God's name for a curse than to call upon it in every trouble. Pray, praise, and give thanks. It's easy 
to forget that God is present. God is with us just as he promised to the very end of the age. To be with us. To bless us. And that is precisely why God gives the transfiguration. In the transfiguration, God reveals to Peter, James, and John, and the whole church, what is our future. Our future is eternal light, eternal life. God gives us the transfiguration so that we would not lose heart because every week we're so tempted to lose heart and be discouraged. Yesterday, as I was working on one of these projects that were, was beyond me, one of the, the dear brothers of this congregation who came to help, I said, and this was a potentially dangerous job, I said, be careful. And he said, Pastor, I don't need to worry. I'm going to a place that's far better than here. And I said, where are you going this afternoon? <laughs> I'm a little slow. He said, no, Pastor. I know that heaven is far better than this earth. I needed to hear it. How good, Lord, to be here. That's why God gives us the transfiguration, because we need to hear it. We need to see it. We need to see the truth so our eyes are lifted beyond the, the things that cause us to stumble and fall, lifted up to what is true and is real and eternal and which is coming for us soon and is now in Christ through word and sacrament present for us. And it's hard to understand at the time, but the tremendous blessing of suffering and challenges and difficulty and things that are beyond our hand is that we're forced. God leads us to call upon him in prayer and call upon our brothers and our sisters for help in trial and adversity. Thanks be to God. Coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus led his disciples, Peter, James, and John, on a dark road. And they, with all Jesus' disciples, the gospel says, were terribly afraid. They were stressed out going to Jerusalem. And they didn't think it would end well. And they saw Jesus betrayed, and they were filled with sorrow, and they grieved. And they saw Jesus transfigured. They saw his face receive the most vile lies. They saw his face spit upon they saw his face slapped. They saw his clothes stripped. They saw him mocked. They saw him killed. They were tempted to lose hope. But there was one at the foot of the cross, Mark tells us, who turned and faced Jesus. One who is not one of the twelve, not Peter, James, and John. Simple centurion, one who is in charge of the execution. And when Jesus exclaimed, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he breathed his last. That centurion confessed, Surely this was the Son of God. He got it. What God had been saying from the baptism to the transfiguration, This is my beloved Son, the one who faced Jesus at the cross, got it. That Jesus came to bring his glory to the world and the way he was going to do it 
was by enduring the world's darkness and carrying our sin and our shame and our guilt and being treated with contempt and being crucified so that whoever sees this face would see the face of God. And then Peter, James, and John understood. And they lived their life bearing witness and confessing that this Jesus has brought brought God's love and grace and truth and glory into the world. And that is the future for all who believe in him. That's why James in Acts 12 could endure persecution from King Herod and be beheaded. He looks forward to the life to come. That's why Peter could endure being crucified, according to tradition, upside down, and still praying to Jesus that he was a man in need of forgiveness because he had seen the face of God. And again, John, who endured terrific suffering and exile on the island of Patmos, did not lose hope because he had seen the face of God. Dear friends, do not lose hope. Do not grow weary. You have an eternal home. You have an inheritance in heaven. Your eternal life is with Jesus. And Peter and James and John and Elijah and Moses and with the Father and with all the saints. That's powerful. And it's exactly what we need to hear as we go into the season of Lent, as we go into a season when we'll be very intentional about focusing on the misery of sin, but we'll go not to despair, but as a time to solemnly contemplate the horrors of everything Jesus endured for our sake. And again, before his cross, we will not despair or grow weary or lose hope, But to the contrary, we will, as St. Paul says, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord in the cross of Jesus, be transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. May God grant us the faith to see the face of our Lord in Jesus. May God grant that we see him when the scriptures are read, when we receive his supper. And that we would know, confess, believe, and hold fast to the truth. That in that day we shall see our Lord face to face. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.